Welcome, welcome, welcome. I on SPD. I'm glad you are here. Okay, a couple of things I want to get straight. All right. I want you to go to my website before we even kick anything off because there's some stuff here I need you guys to see and I need you to use or I need you to pass it on to other people because it's just sitting here and it doesn't make sense for me to spend all this time to get this information prepared to deliver to you and it's not being used. So if you go to my website, ionspd.com, that's E-Y-E-O-N-S-P-D.com, I want you to click on here and I want you to just check the website out, like it if you like it, share it if you share it. If not, if you don't like it, send me a direct email so I can make the necessary adjustments, add two things or what have you. But on here, you're going to find um, leadership assessments for people who want to get into leadership and you want to look at what your soft skills and your hard skills are. This is very important. You can practice your interview skills on here as well. What you do is you click on there, you set up a time with me and we can do either a video or audio. And this is a great opportunity for you to get ready for those phone interviews that will be coming up in the future. You never know. You may run into a great opportunity and now you need to get up and get ready for an interview and you haven't been practicing. Also, we have endoscope study materials on here for you. You click on this button, it's gonna give you videos, flashcards that are linked to Quizlet, it's just all kind of resources, JCO information, just a lot of information there. Also, medical terminology, surgeries, and more. There's a button for you to click on there too and give you um, some help that you may need. The team building. I came up with a website for team building to help build up the team, different exercises and quizzes and stuff that you can go through to see if your team is even in trouble. But it's always a great thing to build up your team. Also, if you're traveling, not just as a sterile processing tech, but if you're just traveling, there's a wealth of information on here from housing, um, looking at rates of pay in different states, uh, the crime index rate in different states, because you want to know that too. Me personally, I end up taking a contract in um, Arkansas and I, I found out that it had the highest rate of uh, violence towards women. And I didn't even think about that before I went there. And the town was pretty debilitating as well. So you can find information on there for that too. Also, continuing education units. There's a link here and baby, I took some time and I went through a bunch of them. So you have a lot of links on here for your continuing education. And also, if you wanna send me a, a audio or something and you don't feel like typing, if there's a button there for that at the bottom of the screen where you can go ahead and send your audio. There's also, did I also link this on here too? I don't think so. But what I'm gonna do, let me log in now because I also have for your resume writing. I thought I added it to this website. I guess I didn't. Let me double check. You know what? I'm glad I'm having this conversation with you because I did not add that on there. What I also um, I want you to go to is a website that I created on building your resume, because if you don't have that tight resume, then how do you expect to even get the interview? You need to keep it tight. You need to keep it updated. So this is a website you're going to go to. It's called SPD Ready dot c-a-r-r-d dot c-o and there you're going to find it's called spd job readiness that's where you're going to find a lot of information for you to get your resume ready from videos to assessments to checklists to even something they call like a um application uh, system that you put your applicant when you uh, submit your resume they send it through like our algorithm where they decide if your information matches all the stuff that's in the job description. And if it doesn't, it'll kick you out. So your information may never make it to the recruiter or it never may, may uh, make it to the hiring manager. And you wondering why you never got a call back is because the system that they have in place 
kicked you out. So I also have information on there how you can check out your resume right now and compare it to another sterile processing position or whatever position that you're interested in. And then you can see how well it matches up so that you're going to be ahead of the game. So anyway, we're going to get to the subject today. We're going to, it's the last day of black history. So I wanted to make sure I talked about something that a lot of people I'm sure don't know, because during my research, I had to find this out. So hold on for a minute. Let me take a squig of this water and we're going to get straight to it. Okay, so we're back. The title of an article that I'm writing, and it will be posted on Medium, is called Black History, Race-Based Algorithms in Healthcare. And before the research, I didn't know of the algorithms. I just heard of systematic racism. And um, I knew about, you know, the black lining and all, all these other things that went on a red lining. I knew about that. But um, this was in healthcare, and this was totally new to me. So that's why I have to prevent, present this, the last day of Black history, because if I didn't know, then I'm sure there's other people who didn't know, and it could be something that could possibly help somebody else. I'm going to read from the article that I will eventually publish, because I need you to be able to have access to the sources that I gathered this information from. So hopefully I don't sound boring like I'm reading. If I do, bear with me. <laughs> because I promise you, this some good stuff. Now, I know my mouth going to get dry with all this talking. So let me take a sip right now before I even get going. Okay, here we go. African-Americans have a history of being disproportionately impacted during pandemics and epidemics. That's just facts. There are stories in American history about experimenting experiments, not in, I don't know where that word come from, being conducted on African-American without their knowledge. If you didn't know that, I'm going to tell you about it, okay? It is not necessary to look back too far in American history to learn about how African-Americans were ignored during natural disasters and public health crisis. In society today, healthcare-based algorithms are used to treat or not treat African-Americans. The COVID-19 pandemic and the African-American experience. This we're going to get into right here. And I kind of wrote it almost like uh, a college paper. You know, have you got to have transitional sentences and stuff like that. So I'm going to try to remember to not actually mention it like that because it sounds like a term paper. Pandemics and epidemics have a history of disproportionately impacting African-Americans. So the first one we'll talk about, of course, is the COVID-19 death rate for African-Americans is double that of white Americans. It's a reason for that. I'm not gonna get into that though. The HIV AIDS epidemic has disproportionately impacted the black community. African-Americans represent 12% of the US population, but account for 43% of HIV diagnosis. Then on the crack. The crack cocaine epidemic destroyed the African-American community. And when I say destroy, I'm talking about like mass incarceration, addiction, homicide, and crack babies. See, African-Americans are 10 times more likely to be impacted by crack cocaine than white Americans. And see, I was I was around during the crack epidemic. So I remember what my neighborhood looked like. We saw, you know, people, whether it's politicians or teachers, doctors, we saw all those people coming to the hood to get cocaine. 
or crack. I'm sorry. They came there to get crack. And, you know, people went from these highly regarded people to scum. Like they were ready to do anything for cocaine. So a crack. I, I know what that looks like. I'm from South Central Los Angeles. So it destroyed my neighborhood. It it, it turned the drug dealers into and the gangbangers in, into the ones who controlled our neighborhoods. And it was almost like the, the adults were powerless. You know what I mean? Because it gave young kids 15 years old who's gangbanging and selling drugs the power because they had the money. They making thousands of dollars a day. You know, and a lot of them, their parents were on drugs. So, you know, the parent couldn't tell them anything because the parent needed what they had. So that was very impactful. Natural disasters and healthcare or health crises are a part of American history. But when they happen to the black community, the disparities are very obvious. The natural disaster and levee breach of Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands of African-Americans. They were forced to live in horrifying conditions at the Superbone until some sort of help arrived. But it was really sad to hear the former First Lady Barbara Bush when she made the statement that the conditions at the Superbone, the Superdome, were okay, since the people were underprivileged anyway. And they were black people. You look at all those videos, go back on YouTube. They were black. African Americans have experienced environmental disparities. Now, now, I know you remember Flint, Michigan, okay? The Flint, Michigan water crisis poisoned the drinking water of their 54% African-American residents. The residents complained about the smell, the taste, and the look of the water. They were ignored for almost a year while the lead levels poisoned their children. I mean, oh my goodness. So, oh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but this is just facts, okay? So, and it's also a history of experimentations that went on with African-Americans. So a lot of people, you know, they talk about, oh, COVID-19, why black people not getting out there and getting their vaccinations. And, you know, there's campaigns on TVs telling us how safe it is and how we should get out there and get it done. Okay, let me keep on with the history. Medical experiments are believed to help advance health care. But that was not the case in three events in American history. Between 1845 and 1849, Dr. Sims experimented on countless enslaved women, for him pretty much to create his sim retractor. His experiments were done without anesthesia, without sanitary conditions as well. And many slaves lost their lives to infections. Okay, that's one. Two, in 1932, the Public Health Service, along with the Tuskegee Institute, studied African-American men with syphilis without their knowledge and without treatment. The experiment lasted for 40 years. Three, in 1951, an African-American woman named Henrietta Lacks was diagnosed and treated for cervical cancer at John Hopkins University Hospital. During Henrietta's treatment, Dr. George Gay snipped cells from her cervix without her knowledge. Henrietta cells have been cultured and used in experiments. They have been commercialized and they've been patented. Henrietta was not, as far as I know in my research, was not compensated for her historical contributions. So now we're going to get into the algorithms. Okay, you ready? Should we take a break? <laughs> we can take a break, but here we go. 
Algorithms, and okay, yeah, that's the thing. What is an algorithm, okay? Yeah, we hear about it all the time. Algorithms are a set of rules for machines. These rules are used by healthcare professionals to make medical decisions. When race is used in healthcare, it results in diagnostic algorithms and practices that adjust and correct the machine's output based on the patient race or ethnicity. Okay, did you get that? Okay. Doctors use these algorithms to create individual risk assessment and to guide clinical decisions. These decisions can direct more attention and resource to like a white patient, which they do, while ignoring and withholding resources for African-American patients, which they do. So I'm going to give you a few algorithms that impact the lives of African-Americans because you need to know this. And whether you're African-American or not, you need to know this. Because you were fine in history, period. Whether it, you could, it could be because you're African-American, because you're a woman, because you live in a certain area, because you're East Coast or you're West Coast or you're rural or your city. There's certain things that change or algorithms are used to present certain information or care to certain people based on those algorithms. It's the same thing with Facebook. It's the same thing with Google. Think about it. You can search for something on Monday and next thing you know, later on that day or the following day, everything pops up on all the ads. And no matter what website you go to, those same ads are popping up trying to sell to you what you inquired about earlier that day or the day before. Those are algorithms. So they, they, they're targeting you. So they're always, they're all around us. So if you think it's a black thing, it's not. Algorithms are a, a, a money-making thing. <laughs> it's a data collection thing, okay? That's pretty much what's going on with that. So I do want to make sure that's clear. I probably should have said it at the beginning, but if you made it to this point, then you're good. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about is the VBAC. It's, it's the vaginal birth after C-section algorithm. It is used to determine the success of a vaginal birth after a C-section, and this is how it works. When the patient identifies as being African-American, the chances of having a successful vaginal birth is decreased by at least 14%. And I tried it myself, and I also have a link here for you to do the calculations yourself. So African-American women are less likely to be considered for a vaginal birth after the VBAC algorithm compared to a white woman with the same education and socioeconomical status. And that is true. And I actually was listening to a podcast that kind of broke this down. And it was really sad because it was a woman on there who actively was seeking out a doctor who had shared her same beliefs because she had a C-section, but she wanted to try a vaginal birth. And when she mentioned that, they were like, oh, no, we're not doing that. You know, so. And then they also talked to one of the creators of the VBAC. And they were saying that originally it wasn't supposed to be used where race was a... I guess, guiding factor, but why is race even an option then? So that was a weird little interview they had on the podcast. Okay, so um, the problem with the VBAC is there's two reasons. One, we all know C-sections are inherently more risky than a vaginal birth. It's way too many complications can happen. And then two, African-American women in the United States are three times more likely to lose their life or their baby's life while giving birth. And then we move on to the American Heart Association. Now, here they have something called Get With The Guidelines Heart Failure Risk Score. Now, this is used to predict the risk of death. Now, this is how it works. 
Patients are given three points on their scorecard if they do not identify as African-American. These extra points can increase the patient's chance of being referred to a specialist like a cardiologist. The patient that identified with being African-American has less of a chance of being referred to a specialist because they are not considered to be at risk of death. Now, the National Football League, the NFL, uses something they call race norming formula. They use this to determine the severity of football players' concussions. They're saying African-American football players are more likely than white football players to be denied monetary relief or medical care for the same cognitive function. It is believed that African-American football players have a lower level of cognitive ability. And how it works is, and this is according to the uh, psychology research, race norming is the practice of converting individual test scores to percentiles or standard scores within one's racial group. For example, suppose that a white candidate and a black candidate each earn a raw score of 74 points on the test. If the white candidate's test score is converted to a percentile only in reference to other white candidates, you got that? Okay. And the black candidate's score is converted to a percentile only in reference to other black candidates, then the percentile score earned by the two candidates, the black one and the white one, may not be equal even though they attain the same raw scores. That's the problem with the race norming in NFL. Now, nephrology, uh, these are algorithms and formulas used in nephrology to determine kidney function. And they have something called a, oh, I'm going to kill this word, glomerular, glomerular filtration rate. And they use it for, um, and then there's also an algorithm they use for kidney transplant, which is called kidney donor risk index. This is how it works. Now, the glomerular filtration rate score is higher for African-Americans because it is believed that African-Americans release more creatine into their blood. The fact that these adjustments are expected to be higher in African-Americans, this could result in the delay of referring them to specialists or kidney transplants. Now, with the, um, the kidney donor risk index, this helped determine if a kidney graft were failed. So this is dealing with donors. A donor with a high score is an indication of failure, okay? So this is a dead body. And if they have a high score, they're believing that it's the, the transplant is not going to work. So African-American donors will receive a higher risk index compared to white donors. The concern is that African-Americans will wait longer for a kidney transplant because African-American donors are matched with African-American patients. That's the beef with that, the problem with that. And then lastly, well, yeah, kind of lastly, we're talking about artificial intelligence. So a study demonstrated that an algorithm was less likely to send African-American patients to health programs that can prove their health compared to white patients. African-Americans were not referred to programs even when they were noticeably sicker than white patients. This is how it works. Patients that identified as African-Americans were given lower risk scores compared to equally sick white people. And I have um, resources for that too. And then to even look further into this, it was um, the field of um, urology and there's other fields out there that use these algorithms. And I have the sources that you can actually check this this stuff out for yourself. 
So I want you to pass this information on the last day in black history, because this could impact somebody's life. And it should be tools they can use to question the results or question their treatment or even compare it to their white home girl, a home boy. Be like, uh, I went to the doctor. and What did they tell you? I mean, that's real talk. I mean, I actually listened to a podcast and it's in the news. It's in an article. You actually look this article up yourself where um, a lady was trying to get it. She was getting appraised on her home. She wanted to sell her home. And she, I guess she was passing. No, 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 no. She was black and had a b- bunch of black pictures and stuff around her house. And she got a lower appraisal for her house. But then when she ch- took all the pictures down and had her husband, who was a white man, present for the appraisal, she, her score, her house was valued for more money. So it's real. But anyways, um, you guys continue to be br- great. You have a great Sunday. Until next time, peace. Peace. <laughs>